a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Control of Congress. Which party takes the upper hand in Congress? Special coverage on Inside Sources, March to the Midterms. The midterm elections, of course, are 34 days away. And so we're looking at all of the interesting trends, the things behind the headlines, behind the numbers, and seeing how that's actually going to impact what plays out come November the 8th. One of the interesting things is a, a trend popping up in many polls, uh, GOP polls in particular, uh, about split tickets in key elections. And so that's an interesting question we got to dig at, uh, both for Republicans and Democrats, by the way. I think this is really fascinating. Why voters are supporting uh, Republicans in, in some races, but Democrats in others, that split ticket factor uh, is really interesting. How will that ultimately impact things from governor's races to control of Congress? To help us break all of that down, Merrill Matthews, a Ph.D., is a resident scholar with the Institute for Policy Innovation, a research-based public policy think tank. He's a health policy expert and opinion contributor at The Hill, and he serves on the Texas Advisory Committee of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights. And uh, Matthew, thanks for, or excuse me, Merrill, thanks for, <laughs> you have two, you're, you're like me, you have two last names. Uh, <laughs> Merrill, you, you had a great piece in The Hill uh, talking about some of this split ticket uh, voting and some of those trends. Uh, welcome to the show and give us a sense first, just kind of by definition for our listeners, what is it when we talk about a split ticket in this kind of midterm election? Right. That's, that's, thank you for having me, Boyd. But that's where somebody goes in and, and votes uh, Republicans in some places and Democrats in other places. It may just be one or two people from an opposite party that they would normally tend to vote for. You know, we hear a lot of people at times say, I vote for the person, not the party, and so forth. There's, there, there is some of that, but an awful lot of people vote tend to vote along the party lines. So when you see major differences between uh, the polling of uh, of two candidates who are sort of top of the ticket in a state of the same party, you kind of wonder what's going on there, and, and that's what we're seeing in a number of the states. And so let's look at that. Uh, so let's say you've got a, a governor's race going on, and so people are saying, okay, I'm going to vote for the Republican, uh, for example, uh, for governor. But then when I get to my own congressional district, uh, maybe I'm going to flip and uh, and vote for a Democrat. Where are you seeing that, uh, and is there anything that is driving that kind of split ticket voting. Well, we're seeing it in a number of states. We're seeing it in Arizona, for one. And I, 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 in the piece I wrote on the Hill, I sort of focused on some of those states where the accusations were that the the, the voting was uh, fake or stolen and so forth. So it's interesting that you see Carrie Lake, who is who is a Trump backer support, and supported by Donald Trump. She's actually doing fairly well there as the gubernatorial candidate. On the other hand, the uh, the one running for the person running for Senate, Blake Masters, is about six points behind where Carrie Lake is in the polling. So uh, Carrie Lake is actually a little bit above her Democratic uh, opponent, but Blake Masters is, I think, about four points behind his Democratic opponent, which is Senator uh, Kelly, Kelly yeah. the astronaut. Yeah, interesting. And uh, you also pointed out in your piece uh, on thehill.com, uh, obviously a lot of eyes have been on Georgia in terms of those races. That's another one yeah. where you could see a lot of split ticket going on. 
Absolutely, and it, you see that you you see that there's actually about a six point spread again between Governor Brian Kemp, who's running for re-election against Stacey Abrams, and. Uh, uh, Herschel Walker, who is a first-time entry into this, and he is trailing uh, Senator Warnock by just a little bit, though we had the revelations coming out yesterday, and we, it, so far I think the polling has said they haven't seen that much of a shake-up. But uh, there again, it, I, I had high hopes for Herschel Walker, but he's just not turned out to be a very good candidate. And that's what the, that's the issue here is a lot of times these splits you see uh, are simply a, a good candidate versus a not-so-good candidate. And my guess is there will be some people who will either vote for uh, Brian Kemp and may vote for Warnock. I kind of doubt it, but they may just not vote at all for that Senate race because they may feel, I just don't think Herschel Walker deserves my vote. So we'll have to see that how that comes out. That Herschel may end up taking this, but if, if he does, it's probably by a very little bit. Yeah, that's so interesting. And uh, obviously we look at that in a significant way during presidential election years of, you know, mm-hmm. can you outrun the very top of the ticket? Uh, and now looking at this in, in this kind of uh, midterm is an interesting Way to look at that. Is there anything in terms of that kind of split ticket uh, in terms of uh, some of these Democratic candidates uh, being able to outrun where the president's approval numbers are in, in some of those swing districts? Yeah, it's a good question because they at least during the summer they thought it was going to be pretty bad for the uh, for the Democrats, especially in the uh, Senate races. Uh, August and early September seemed to be working for Biden, and there was a, a lot of rethinking on that. I think the media may have been optimistically trying to hope that direction, but uh, now it's it's beginning to turn back a little bit. And as it, I think, what thirty four days out or so, it's turning to favor Republicans a little more in the general ballots, and so um, the, it's coming back to the discussion of whether uh, that there may be a red wave or perhaps a red tsunami. Yeah, yeah, very interesting and in, in all that. Anything else that you're monitoring or seeing in some of that state-level polling uh, that might be uh, off the radar, so to speak, that uh, might have an impact uh, come November 8th? You know, the thing that that we're seeing here now is that you have uh, you have both in Democratic Party for the uh, for the far left and the Republican Party, the very strong Trump supporters, people who will back uh, primary candidates who really probably don't have much chance of winning a general election, but they jump behind the pro- those primary candidates because they're a very strong uh, Trump supporter or very, very strong Bernie Sanders supporter. And part of the point I make in the Hill is you really need to try to focus on the person who can not just win the primary, but who can win the election. And that was William F. Buckley's point several years ago when he was criticized for not voting for the most uh, conservative candidate there. He was, of course, the founder of National Review and a major conservative uh, a spokesperson for decades. But he said, I vote for the most conservative candidate who can win, who can win. And that's the key aspect of it. Susan, I live in Texas. Susan Collins, senator from Maine, would, would not be able to win a, Senate-wide, uh, a statewide election in Texas, but she can in Maine. Ted Cruz can win in Texas, but he can't win in Maine. So you have to sometimes just realize where you are and who can win in that state. Yeah, we always say you can win on the uh, extremes in the spring, but it gets awfully difficult in the fall. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because typically you expect them to sort of merge back in the 
middle, but in many cases, they're not doing that these days. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a fascinating uh, fascinating piece. Great piece in the Hill. Merrill Matthews, Ph.D., resident scholar with the Institute for Policy Innovation, in a research-based public policy think tank. He's also a health policy expert and opinion contributor at the Hill, and his piece uh, was just fantastic. Looking at some of this down ballot split ticket is going to be so interesting. Uh, Merrill, thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to having you back as we march towards the midterm and uh, figure out how this all shakes out. Thank you, Boyd. All right. So we're going to go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll do a little roundup of the news, what you might have missed during the course of the day, what's under the headlines, and what we ought to be thinking about. Stay with us. More Inside Sources on KSL News Radio coming up. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.